As you know, I'm in the religion business. And yet, the only thing anyone is talking about these days is politics. And so the other day, I had a fantasy that combined religion and politics. I thought to myself, what if God looked down and said, you know what, enough of the Democrats and the Republicans and the Libertarians and the Independents. I'm going to run for president. <laughs> this, by the way, does not guarantee that God would win. There is, in fact, an old Yiddish phrase that if God lived on earth, people would break his windows. <laughs> but I thought, what would be God's platform? And maybe, if we look at how God would run, it contains some wisdom for candidates, current left and right, past and future. Well, I guess past, the advice would be wasted on them, but at least they'd know what they did wrong. And if you look at this morning's Parsha, there is actually some advice about running for president because after all what God is doing is talking about what kind of life the Israelites will have in the land of Israel. Which is in its way a sort of political campaign. Because after all God's trying to drum up support if you listen to what I say, as opposed to going after other gods who are also campaigning for Israel's interests. And I discovered at least four distinct trends to God's campaign that I think actually are important in evaluating candidates and might be worth thinking about, not only now, but in the election after this one, and the one after, and the one after. The first is, if you look in Bukhukotai this morning, God says some pretty terrible things are going to happen. There's what's called the tochecha, the rebuke. And in the rebuke, God is very explicit about, if you do this, this terrible thing is going to happen, and this terrible thing is going to happen. And this tells us something that we know, which is if you want to unify people, one very effective way of doing it is to scare them. If you say this terrible thing is going to happen, people listen. And that is not in and of itself a bad thing. Because after all, terrible things do happen. And sometimes you do need to be warned. In fact, the Chofetz Chaim, in his commentary on this, says that sometimes when the Tochecha is read, when the Torah reader reads about the terrible things that are going to happen, some people get up and leave the synagogue. He said, this is a mistake. He said, it's as if somebody was going to walk on a dangerous path that had places where you could fall or places where you could stumble. And they decided, since it's such a dangerous path and there are so many bad things in it, I'm going to wear a blindfold so I don't have to see them. He said, obviously, this is not the best way to approach dangers. You have to see all the dangers in order to know how to deal with them. So when you hear candidates say this terrible thing could happen or that terrible thing could happen, it's all right. It's important to know the dangers. And in fact, 
it might be that just as God thinks of himself as a candidate, sometimes, as we know, politicians think of themselves as God. So the strategy could, in fact, be theological as well as political. But you'll notice that in the same Parsha, there's a blessing. Because it's never enough to scare people. If you only scare people, you leave them hopeless and frightened. And the great leaders know this. Think of Churchill. What did Churchill say during World War II? One of his most famous speeches. He said that he promised the British people nothing but blood, tears, toil, and sweat. In other words, this is going to be really difficult because if you're going to avoid the takeover of the world by the worst people that ever tried to take over the world, you're going to have to have blood, tears, toil, and sweat. But he also said something that constitutes a blessing. He said, if the British Empire lasts for a thousand years, people will still say, this was your finest hour. And God says the same thing. Yes, there are all these dangers that await you, but if you do it right, there is great blessing to be had. And every leader has to give a vision not only of the bad things that could happen, but of the possibility, the beauty that could await, and has to lay that out as well, but in a realistic way. Because the commentators note that when God promises blessings in Bukhukotai, God never says anything about life after death, about olam haba. Because blessings given to a people have to be realistic and this-worldly, and they have to understand them and be able to grasp them. So you can understand a chicken in every pot, which was a famous political promise. A Rolls-Royce in every garage, that's olam haba. So there you have the first two planks of God's platform, which are curses and blessings. But then, of course, you come to the Haftarah, which is part of it as well, from Jeremiah, and Jeremiah is all about hope. Remember, Jeremiah was the prophet who told the Israelites, you're going to get kicked out of your land, and none of them believed him, and then they did. But when they did, you know what he said? You'll return. You'll return. Because Jeremiah was a God candidate. So he not only gave them the, the curses, but the blessings and the sense of hope. And you can't really motivate any nation if you don't give them a vision of hope. And so in addition to curses and blessings, to bad things that happen and good things that will happen, you have to give people a general sense that the world is full of possibilities for the future. That there is hope and there is promise and that things can be better even in ways that we can't imagine. Because that's the other thing that we all know, which is that whatever happens for the next, what is it, five months, six months, however long it is, and for that matter, for the next four years, there's going to be a lot that will happen that nobody could anticipate and nobody could predict. That's just the nature of the world. 
And you might think that's the end of God's platform. What do you need other than blessings, curses, and hope? But then, when you finish the book of Leviticus, you begin the book of the journey, Bamidbar. Then you have to bring people along the journey. Then you have to actually get them to go with you. And this is the beautiful distinction that was made between Demosthenes and Cicero. Plutarch, in Plutarch's lives, he writes about Greek and Roman figures. He was trying to compare people from the past, for him, the Greeks were the past, with people in his own day, with the Romans. And the greatest orator of his day was Cicero. And Demosthenes was the great Greek orator. And Plutarch wanted to tell people that even though Cicero was a great speaker, Demosthenes was better. And this is what he said. He said, when Cicero gave a speech, everybody said, what a wonderful speech. When Demosthenes spoke, people said, let us march. And that's the difference. You have to have somebody who can actually motivate you to go forward. Who can ask for what all of Leviticus asks for, after all, which is sacrifice. And if you don't have a leader who can motivate sacrifice from the people, then you won't have a, a leader who can get anything important and powerful done in this world. That's what Churchill was doing when he said, blood, tears, toil, and sweat. He was saying to the British people, I'm asking you for sacrifice. And that's why the book of Bamidbar opens with the closing of God's platform. You know what the first thing is in the book of Bamidbar that we're going to read about next week? The very first thing is a census in which everyone is counted. In other words, you have to have a leader who makes you believe that every person counts. Because that way, you empower the people who listen. Because they matter too, not only in the eyes of the leader, but in their own eyes. So there you have it. Now, I've just been describing God and the way God leads in the Torah, and no leader will be able to do all the things that an ideal leader could do. But I think that those things are real and they are important, and we do see both throughout history and even theologically that they mattered in the Torah. That the Israelites knew what the bad was, they knew what the good was, they had hope, they had a journey and a goal, and they believed that every person from Israel was in God's image and matter. I don't know who's going to win in November, and I don't know what the country will look like two or three years from now. But I really do believe, and I do hope, that whoever our leader is will be able to share with us what the dangers are, what the blessings are, what the hope is, and make us all believe that in the journey we will take together, everyone matters. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom.